Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. He was on the road between Jerusalem and Damascus. His motives were pure evil. And the ninth chapter of the book of Acts says the following. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, and this church was called the way for a long time in, the, in its early days, whether they be men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on the journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Well, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to the saints in Jerusalem. He's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen vessel to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. And then he said, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained strength. There are lots of stories about him that aren't in Scripture, that are rooted in tradition. One is that well, we know for sure that he grew up in the city of Tarsus. Tarsus was in a province of Cilicia, in what is modern-day Turkey. It was a, an educational center. In fact, it was, had the largest university in the ancient Roman world bigger than Athens, bigger than Ephesus, bigger than Alexandria. He was a student there, and that was a, 
it was also a great commercial center. And one of the reasons for that was that the major highways that went all the way to the east, down into Egypt, and into other parts of the Roman world all crossed right there in Tarsus. I don't know whether you've noticed this or not, but it's something that the reason Portsmouth became a great city at one time was it was located on the prime, biggest highway in this part of the world. It's called the Ohio River, which, by the way, Kentucky owns. That's the way it is, sports fans. You got it. Have you ever noticed how Chillicothe has prospered in recent years and we haven't to that extent? Did you know that six highways intersect in Chillicothe? It's, that makes it access to a lot of different people that we don't have here. Highways have changed. I would love to go up there and see the progress that they're making and pray for the day when we have it here. The Apostle Paul grew up, well, he went to school as a youngster and he showed such promise that at 13 years of age he, was, he left Tarsus because at that time he had already memorized the first five books of the Bible word for word. He showed brilliance as a scholar, and so they sent him to Jerusalem to study under the number one biblical scholar in Judaism, a man called Gamaliel. You read about him in the fifth chapter there of the book of Acts. While he was growing up there, he, he heard a lot, he saw a lot of false messiahs developing, and he got a belly full of it, and he thought that. Christ Jesus and, and, and the followers of the way were another false messiah and he set out to get rid of them with enthusiasm. The, the word there that says that he was still breathing out murderous threats is the same word that is used of a bull snorting before he charges. I mean, he was flat ticked off and he meant, and he thought he was doing it in the name, he thought he was serving the Lord. But that light came from heaven, and this is the way God operates. You recall when Moses was up on top of Mount Horeb or the Mount in the Sinai Peninsula, and God, he was up there to get the Ten Commandments, and the presence of the Lord passed by, and it had to be hidden in the cleft of the rock, or he would have been wiped out by the brilliance of the glory of God. That same glory guided Israel out of Egypt into the land of promise. It's the same glory that filled the tabernacle and later on when, Mo, when Solomon built the temple, it settled down in the temple. It indicated the, that God is here. It was called the Shekinah in the Old Testament. The glory of God, the presence of God. And God's presence knocked him to the ground. He probably was hit by lightning because those interesting storms over there, I've known people who have been hit by lightning and survived. I've never known any who had scales over their eyes, but God knew what he was doing because he was so blind and bull, he was so bullheaded that if he hadn't been blinded, he probably would not have been converted. But Paul, they said that he not only the story is that he was born the same year that Jesus was born. 
And so as a young man, he probably, by the time he was 21 years old, he was probably married and had, the tradition says that he had two sons. They probably left him and had a funeral service for him when he became a Christian because that's kind of the way the Jewish folks did it, and some of them still do. He was a sincere religious man, but misguided. You can be sincerely religious and be misguided. And he was. But God had his eye on him. And he, Jesus actually chose Saul as one of his apostles. I happen to believe that in the early part of the book of Acts where after Judas hanged himself and died that the church tried to replace him. And I think they honest, made an honest mistake that they wanting the 12 to stay the 12. I believe that God had all the time selected the apostle Paul to be that 12th apostle. That's speculation. I can't prove it. I can prove that he was chosen though. Because here in the, in the 15th verse of the 9th chapter I read for you, but the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument. It reminds me of the Second World War. Now, I can remember a little bit of the Second World War, believe it or not. I had an uncle who served under General Patton in North Africa for 16 months. I was named after him. His name was Walter Scott. My name is Kenneth Scott. And my daddy started calling me, started calling him Walter and me Scott because when I was 14 years old, I started getting his bar bills. <laughs> and my father took umbrage to that. He was chosen. And folks, anybody who has accepted Jesus Christ and has received the Holy Spirit into your life, you've become one of the chosen. Israel is no longer the chosen people of God. Christians are. And somewhere along the line, we've continued to get that messed up. Folks, you are God's chosen people, Peter said. A royal nation. A, a, a great nation and a royal priesthood, rather. You're a priest of God. You don't have to go through a, a guy who calls himself a priest to get to God. You are one of his priests. God has chosen. He not only, he had sought the apostle Paul, so he, he, he chose him, he, he sought him, and he claimed him as his own. And he actually, the apostle Paul viewed himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. As a slave of Jesus Christ. He saw Christ as his Lord and king. And he bowed before him. You see, Jesus need, needed, and he needs a lot of them today, he needed a great spiritual warrior because he wrote in, the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians, in that sixth chapter, he said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and these unseen rulers of, of spiritual darkness. And folks, we're still in that battle. And you need to understand there's a terrible spiritual battle going out out here. And you know who our primary enemy is? It's our own government. 
from the head man all the way down through the court system, they're out to get us. And that's okay. Because we have a power greater than theirs. Understand that. And the Apostle Paul understood that. He not only was converted, but then he came to the church. And the church then laid hands on him. He received the Holy Spirit. He was baptized first, then received the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people get confused about this. The standard of the Bible, and I was explaining this to a man this morning, the standard of the Bible, this is the way it is regardless of what you're being told. The Bible is the Bible. The Bible is the authoritative word of God, and that's what we go by. When Jesus came to John the Baptist, who was his cousin, he came to him and was baptized, and when he came up out of the water, what happened? The Spirit of God descended on him in the form of a dove. That became the standard for the church, and that's the reason in Acts 2.38... When Peter preached the first sermon, he said, men and brethren, they cried out, what, 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 what do you want us to do? And he said, repent and be baptized, everyone, you in the name of Jesus Christ, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. A lot of people, for some reason or other, are afraid of baptism. Now, the Roman Catholic Church went too far. And they believe that baptism, even if it's just hitting a baby over the head with a wet rose is the source of regeneration. I don't believe that. Because baptism alone, without repentance, is nothing more than a very poor bath. We do put a little bit of uh, Clorox in the water over here, so it might help a little, but that's, that's about it. Because baptism, Peter said, it's not the washing away of the filth of the flesh. It's the answer of a good conscience toward God. It's something that has to happen, as Rick Apley said, inside first. If you don't repent, then as my mama used to say, you go down a driveway and come up a wet center. Except you shall repent, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So the church ordained him and sent him up. I was actually ordained. And for some reason or other, the church is getting away from that, and I think it's a mistake. When I graduated from Kentucky Christian, I went back to my home church in Germantown. I sat down with the preacher and the elders, and they put me through a question and answer period. After that, they told me that I was, on a such and such a Sunday, I was to be there, and I was to fast for X number of hours, or days, or whatever it was. I don't know, but I need to do it again. And they, and then on that day, they came up, laid hands on me, wrote a letter of recommendation that I could take to the churches. That's what happened to the Apostle Paul. They recommended it to the churches. We'll see why in a minute. Now then, and so here, here's kind of the way God operates. He picks out people who, and, who repents, and, and, and he claims them for his own. It kind of remembers me after the Second World War. I started to tell you this a while ago. During the, the World War, when we were fighting the Japanese in the Pacific and the Nazis in the European theater, during that particular time, radio, television, newspapers, everything had an ad. They had a picture of Uncle Sam pointing like this, I want you. 
And the result was, by the hundreds of thousands, Americans went to, the, to, to sign up to fight against evil. Actually, folks, that's why the Lord claims us. Let me tell you why I said the government's our primary, always has been. It's nothing new. Some of you who are, who are more political than you are religious will have difficulty with this, but you just need to get over it. The government is already, it's already coming to Sauda County, for heaven's sakes. They're telling us that, that, uh, that if a guy, a man, puts on a skirt, he can go in the women's bathroom. Or if a woman, I don't know what they have to do to her, puts on enough britches and stuff, she can go and she says, I feel like a man, she can go in the man's bathroom. She's going to have some trouble in there, but that's okay. But that's what they're telling us. So we're going to put a sign up out there where you go into the women's bathroom and says this bathroom is reserved for those whose birth, whose birth certificate said they were a woman. On the other side, we're going to put what? And if they don't, then these big old security boys and a few of the women are going to get them with the nap of the neck, see the pants, and drag them out. Somebody has to stand up. And... It isn't that we want to be mean, it's just that the government is promoting perversion and we can't accede to that. Now, second thing, God put his Holy Spirit in the Apostle Paul. And the reason he put his Holy Spirit in him, same reason he puts his Holy Spirit in us. He put his Spirit in him so that he would have power. And folks, we've underestimated and probably haven't taught sufficiently the power of the Spirit of God when he lives within a human being. The Apostle Paul was not an impressive man. We'll talk about that in a minute if we have time. He wasn't impressive with words. He wasn't impressive in physical appearance. You know, he would envy me. He wasn't much to look at. And I, I, you know, Alice Kay says I'm her stud muffin, and she's right, you know. But he was, he was told at the time, Ananias, you tell him, he's my guy, I've claimed him, he belongs to me, and I, I'm, going to, I'm going to send him to kings. That's the reason when he ultimately, he was before uh, Festus and Agrippa, you remember, and he, and he gave his testimony, and Agrippa said, Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. And he was a bad cat. And then he appealed to Caesar, because he believed that if he could get before Caesar, Nero was nutty as a fruitcake, but he thought if he could get before him and tell him about Jesus, even he could be saved. The apostle Paul was so convinced that he himself was so bad that anybody else could be saved if they put their confidence in Jesus Christ. And you know what? He was right. Amen. There used to be an old guy, he's dead now, that came here to church. Most people didn't like him. I loved him. He was a little weird. And he had some flaws, like all the rest of us. His name was Bernard Handower. He's an old Polish guy who came up here, worked at the A plant. He was an engineer. His wife, she ran the... She was a concert pianist, and I mean a good one. And, but she ran the library up at the A plant. They came here to church. He called me a dumb Republican, and I called him a crazy Polak. We got along just fine because we loved each other. And he was the smartest man that I ever met. 
That includes all of my professors, both at Kentucky Christian and at Vanderbilt University. I, never, I tried for years to come up with a biblical question or a theological question. And we were up in the Seventh-day Adventist building at that time using that, renting it from them. And I would put a question out there during the, the, early, the part when we Sunday school area time. And his little old hand would go up like, I never fooled him. Ask him like, what's superlapsarianism? He had a little flaw that every time you would mention a communist because the communist killed his whole family. He was the only remaining one of his entire family. They killed them all. And whenever you mentioned the word communism, he cussed. Whenever I needed somebody to cuss for me, I just said communist and he cussed. <laughs> Joe Lester told me he'd taken over for him. But he was to preach to kings, and he had the power and the authority. And I used to argue with Bernard. I'd say, Bernard, if we could have just gotten to Stalin with Jesus, he might have changed. And he'd cuss. <laughs> if we had just gotten to Hitler and, and gave him the message of Jesus, a resurrected Christ, he might have repented. The apostle Paul was convinced of the power of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation, he wrote. And folks, it is. It is. The Apostle Paul was told by the Holy Spirit, Jesus sent him this word. I want to tell you what you're going to have to suffer for. Did you know the early church thought it was something to be experienced, to suffer like Jesus suffered? They praised God. We got to do something like Jesus did it even if it were suffering. How many people would come to Christ today if we told them, you're going to come to Christ, but you may suffer, and folks, you may before this is over. You know, Saul was changed from the inside out. This is important to get straight to you. A hypocrite is, is a person who claims to be a Christian and puts on the outside performance. But God changes people from the inside out. And the changes that come in people's lives come as a result of the Holy Spirit guiding them, strengthening them, disciplining them. With the ultimate goal of shaping us until people can see Christ in us. And that's our hope of glory, the Apostle Paul said. From the inside out. When you look here in Matthew 15... Because this came to my mind when we were working on this. Here's what he said. Concerning those who were hypocrites. He said, they, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. For you see, God changes us from the heart. And unless the heart has been changed, the religious activities that we perform are a total waste. God is in the business of changing people from the inside out, and that's what he did. The apostle. He even changed his name. He was Saul of Tarsus. But he came before, he was on an island on one of his trips, and he came before a Roman proconsul named Sergius Paulus. And from that time on, he, he was Paul, the apostle. 
It looks like that Sergius Paulus probably told him, because Sergius Paulus said, I want to hear about this Jesus stuff you're talking about. He came to him and talked to him about the kingdom of God and, and, and who Jesus was. And from that time on in the book of Acts, he's, the, he's Paul the apostle. Do you know what the word Paul means? Little man. Little man. I know what it is to be called little. I was the smallest on our basketball team, but I handled the ball. Point guard gets to do a lot of stuff and keep other people from doing some stuff. I know what, and, 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 and when you look around, you can, it is, I think it's almost touching and heartwarming to see little guys do things that big guys can't hardly do. How many of you remember, uh, a, if you like sports and basketball, you remember a, a guy named Spud Webb? Anybody remember Spud? He played in the NBA, by the way, and he was five foot seven, and he he won the dunking contest in the NBA. My kind of guy. I had him but an inch and a half. <laughs> the greatest general, maybe, that ever lived, other than Alexander the Great, was probably maybe was Napoleon. He was five seven. I had him by an inch and a half. I still think my woman's better looking than his, but that's the way it went. Those of you who like television, there's a little bitty lady on there. She's only four foot seven. She's on NCIS Los Angeles, and I like that program, but she's kind of makes it. And that's in spite of the fact that she's a flaming homosexual married to another woman. I mean, she's mixed up for sure. But she did earn an Academy Award and lots of other awards. She's a gifted lady. Maybe one of these days, because I'll tell you what. Lesbians, homosexuals of any kind can be changed and turned into normal what the people just the way God created them if the Holy Spirit gets involved. He changed his name and, and he changed his life. People who knew him and knew his reputation couldn't believe it when he was saved. And so when he came to the church and said, hey, I want to preach, they said, you're out of here, buddy. We heard about you. You're wanting to arrest us. It would be like if bin Laden had been converted and come to the United States and said, I want to preach. And the building would have emptied because nobody would have believed it. And so the Lord picked up a guy who means, whose very name means an encouragement named Barnabas. And he went with the Apostle Paul and introduced him and helped him to the church and they listened to him. And he became, listen, he became the greatest preacher in the history of Christianity. Why? How? Because the spirit of the living God, he said, and, and, and when you look carefully at how he described himself, he said, you know, I didn't come to you with eloquence. I didn't come to you with physical, I, I was not physically impressed. I, I, I didn't impress anybody by, by, by my appearance. I didn't come to you with great wisdom, even though I think he did pretty well. He had earned the equivalent of two PhDs. He was brilliant. 
But he knew that all of that meant nothing unless the power of the Holy Spirit was operating in him and what he did. You see, I can remember when our church was young and there would come times when the Spirit of God would move among us. Now, he's always here because he came in with us. He lives within us. But when he would move and people by the dozens would come to Christ. By the dozens would come to Christ. When the Holy Spirit operates, folks, there ain't nothing you can do to stop people from coming to Jesus. My first wife went to Cincinnati one time with a bunch of kids. They went down to see a musical. And that's before the highways were there. You went to Cincinnati down Old 52 and, she, and New Richmond. There was a restaurant there. And she called me from there. It's about 1 o'clock in the morning. And she said, Scott, there are some people who want to be baptized. I said, okay. I was, had one eye. I was in bed asleep. Hey, give me some light down here so that I can be, they can see how pretty I am. Besides that, I can see my Bible better. She called me up and she said, there's some people who want to be baptized. I said, well, good, good, good. She said, tonight. We were using the Seventh-day Adventist building. I go over to the Seventh-day Adventist building. Dale Cox's daughter was one of them. Dale and Doris came in wearing their pajamas. I don't know what I had on. I hope I had something on. And I think we baptized about 15 teenagers that night. The power of the Holy Spirit has begun to move, folks, in our world today. There are schools in Kentucky, wouldn't you know, where the entire middle school this past week or two have come to Christ. The entire middle school. You talk about setting the school authorities on their fannies. They're all upset. A grade school. Kids coming to Christ. Let me tell you something. If the Apostle Paul could have been saved, you can be saved. I don't care what you've done. And if you're here this morning, let me tell you something. And you want to go to heaven when you die, we can fix it here and now. And God will put His Holy Spirit in you. And you will be able to live for Him. It works that way. And God help us to get to the place where our reputation will be. If you want to see the Lord, you show up at Christ's community. You can see it in those folks there because of the way they love each other. That's the way it's all what it's all about. Rick, you get up here with your hillbillies. My brother... As many of you all know, as many of you all, my middle brother was a, just a hell-raising, woman-chasing, hard-drinking, smoking old soldier. He put 30 years in military. I was visiting him in a little town called Stradow where he and his wife and two boys lived. He had already been diagnosed with cancer in the nasal cavities. He was my oldest brother, dumped out Agent Orange, and Chuck was on the ground breathing it in, and that's probably what caused it, but that's beside the point. His, church, his, his house was immediately adjacent to the church building. It's a Lutheran church, a state church in Germany. And so on Sunday morning, we go over and we go to church, and instead of mounting the pulpit, 
and then those old churches, you actually get up and mount the pulpit. The preacher stood at a lectern. And for 35 minutes, he gave a dissertation on the environment. And we went home after that and eating lunch. And after the prayer, my brother said, I go to church wanting somebody to tell me how I for sure I can get to heaven. And I hear about the environment. And then he said, one of these days pretty soon when my body is lying in a casket, I won't give a damn about the environment. I just want to know I'm going to go to heaven. Will you do me a favor? I don't ask much. But will you bring someone with you next week as we continue what I believe will be a coming revival for our church? So, Lord, I ask your blessing upon all who are here. And I pray that if there's anybody here who hasn't accepted Christ, they'll not feel that they have to wait till next week. They'll come quickly. How we pray, Father, that the power of your Holy Spirit will move among us just like it did when Paul was knocked to his knees and blinded by this, from the sins of this world. And he could see and come to know nothing else save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That, Lord, is our goal for our church in the coming weeks. We pray for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit like we've never seen it before. And we ask it in Jesus' name. All the people said, you're free to go.